Welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast on the internet that has the science and the screaming to determine what is the greatest movie of any given year. That's right. My name is not Greg. I have a different voice. I have a different name. Same face, which is weird. But I am going to take over for Greg for a very special, I don't know, season, episode. We'll see how many of these we do for the year 2020. That's the one we're in right now, and I know that's crazy, but what's happening is that theaters are shutting down. What? And all of 2020's movies are... They're still letting me in. They are. Okay, cool. (laughs) Well, your dad owns the dealership of theaters. Yeah. (laughs) Theaters and zoos, I think the rule should be one person at a time. But yeah, We Bought a Theater would have also (laughs) been a good movie. Do you guys... Have you guys noticed that We Bought a Zoo... it's just a like commonly used title. Like people will use that title to make a joke no matter what, even though no literally no one has ever seen the movie. Yeah. It became it like surpassed being a movie and transcended directly into memehood. I mean, anytime we're talking about zoos or buying things, <laughs> it comes together. But, so yes, as I went over, my name's Ryan. With me as always is Mike. Mike, is this weird that I'm talking and Greg's not? I like it because maybe we're allowed to be friendly for once in our goddamn life. We're not competing over that curly-haired, bearded, evil wizard for once. Well, yes, but it still could get a little caustic because I did invite to this show the one, the only, Tompkins. Tompkins, Tompkins. tell us all about yourself. My name is Tompkins. I watched The Way Back. (laughs) That's real personal. That's all right, that's the qualification my, to be on the show. No, wait, I have more. I, um, I <laughs> have. You? No, I saw. Okay, so I saw a couple movies actually. <laughs> Holy shit! So there was the way back, and then I saw a different one. The way way back. The it had the smallest little girls in it. Smurfs. And they were being. Old and young together. All right, as the host, I'm going to take over this. Um, if if that sort of way of talking sounds familiar, as if Caitlin was on the show, uh, that's Tompkins. But uh, I don't have a Tompkins point giver. So when Tompkins gets a point, Caitlin, you will hear that. <laughs> um, so you two are in competition in a conversation about the way back. Mm. And the winner will become Greg's new best friend. Not yours? No, I'm not, I'm not going to deal with your guys' shit this week. <laughs> not with the COVID. Um, and that also means that I cannot become Greg's best friend. So, I don't know, Mike, good luck, I guess. But this is also, like, sidecar best friend. Like, Do you the main how- series is going every week anyway. This is just, like, parlaying into sort of, like, from the hours of four to six best friend. Do you think motorcycles work in such a way where everyone you love truly just goes on the motorcycle? And then satellite friends go in the sidecar. Well, Greg is driving the motorcycle. The best friend is clutching his hips uh, sensually. And then the other guy's in the sidecar trying to feed them biscuits. Good. Yes. Always have biscuits. ABB. Did you notice how he only wished luck to the person he thought needed it? Or. Did you notice that, Mike? Everybody's heard Tompkins talk and tell about himself. So. Yeah, Tompkins, you've already lost some. If, if I lose, I'm going to kill myself. That's good. I like to be. I like to be the underdog. Caitlin, let me give you a little boost there, Tompkins. Um, so the way back is what we watched. We watched a 
2020 movie that could win Best Picture and Best Actor by virtue of the fact that about seven movies are going to come out in 2020. <laughs> Do you guys think it deserves all of those accolades? I mean, given that field, for sure. I think based yeah. on what else has come out, it's not great. Not looking great. Trolls World Tour? <laughs> no, thank you. That's not going to win Best Picture nor Best Actor. You think Diamond Troll has a shot at this when Flex on the table? Psh. Yeah. What did you think of the movie? And Mike, this is a this is a dangerous movie for you because there was this thing going on inside the movie where they took a spherical object and bounced it around and threw it at things. And that that was sports. That's what sports is. Here's the thing, I am very My- athletic. <laughs> I hate sports, but I, I'm a big fan of sports movies because I like stakes and I even if I don't get the rules, I get that the characters care about this thing. Hold on, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Did you start that by saying I'm very athletic? I said I'm not <laughs> very athletic oh uh, okay jesus christ i'm very athletic too athletic to even understand sports <laughs> i've seen you fall over sitting it's on a toilet too easy for me well when you're on there that long everything goes numb i was gonna ask how relieved you were when it looked like they were going to start playing basketball and it's <laughs> <was> like nope <laughs> um tompkins you're my new basketball friend yeah we talk about basketball all the time uh. now uh did that make the movie better or worse so and also, much and a follow-up question, am I good at asking questions? <laughs> You're so good, and I'm good at answering them. So I'll do that now. Uh, the reason I liked the skipping over the basketball thing is, one, it was like basketball edging. It made it a lot more fun when we did get to see it. And two, the worst part of most sports movies is the sports. And this movie, like, really took that to the extreme, being like, so we'll cut almost all the sports. Yeah, so, yeah, what you're talking about is that a lot of the games we would see very little of. We would just see a score up there. Because they know we're so invested in these two teams, probably for gambling purposes and <laughs> fantasy fantasy sports yeah uh, we just get the score every once in a while and we see almost no basketball yeah and the first time it happened made me like genuinely laugh because the the line before the chiron appears is he says something along the lines of let's show them what we're made of and then it's like smash cut to a shot <laughs> chiron like the score is 31 to 67 yeah, which is the most to be a laugh line right yeah. It wasn't an like, oh wait no you yeah. don't think that's the most high school basketball final score of all time that's the thing too is that even the best basketball teams are awful at basketball like (laughs) just dreadful to watch yeah uh but for every great basketball team there's a hundred terrible high school teams and this is what every game is every game is typically a hundred to four yeah (laughs) there's there's so many bad news bears it's a hundred or Oh, or wolves. Based on my high school basketball uh, movie <laughs> watching, this is the first time I've never seen a, wo- a werewolf come in and sort of take the I game I kept over. waiting. I thought that was part of the game, and I was a little shocked. Like, do you think, is that post-credits? Like, they're like, people are sick of the this part of the game, we're just not going to show them the time? It's Kenny, though, right? Who's hitting on all the girls, he's the werewolf? Yeah, probably. That's why we all, well, like, he would always be running from, like, around the corner. Yeah. Because he had to, like, get out of wolf form real quick. Right. Guys, I've got some news for you. In this sports movie, we're we're not here to talk about sports. Tonight oh, is a celebration of the one, the only, Ben Affleck. Gentlemen, besides the movie, even if you if you love it, if you hate it, who cares? Tell me about your history, your passion, your love of Ben Affleck. <laughs> I've been a huge fan. I think probably Days and Confused when he's just an asshole into Mallrats into Dogma. Like, just the fucking dickhead trio of early the- Ben Affleck. 
No and chasing just fell in Amy love in with there. it. It's charming ass. Yeah, but those like chasing Amy came later when I could understand what I thought what mature movies were then. Uh, <laughs> then I can totally see you watching Chasing Amy being like, "This movie is wonderful, and I will love it for him." <laughs> and then five years later, I was like, "Oh no!" Oh, but I love this guy. Even when people were down on him, like I was like, "I don't care." I don't care what he's bet. He's just charming. He's like he's very handsome, but he's not movie star handsome. Like, look at this movie. He's he's a normal dude handsome. Yeah, it never looks like oh, there's a movie star with all these normies. Yeah, it's just like it's the handsome teacher at your high school or something. Yeah, it's about the level that he's on. Um, and then yeah, you get to watch him. A lot of it too is how puffy is he going to be for this particular movie? <laughs> uh, and nobody pulls off puff like <laughs> man Ben. He puffs up like a fish. But yeah, I know I've always been a defender. I've always had this affinity for him. And I think so much of it is because of him off camera, mm-hmm. you know, when he's sober. I think that uh, he's this very charming, like legit funny guy. And that sort of will drag me along through some of his performances that are less than. Yes. That's something too is that I think he's very talented. He's very high on my list, but nobody that high on my list has as many just terrible performances <laughs> on their resume. Well, it does feel like like we just said he doesn't feel like a movie star. He knows that, and so for most of the early 2000s, he was like, I will take everything. I don't need it yet, but I know someday Hollywood will boot me out, so I'm doing it now. I'm going to well, GG flame out. Yeah, he's he's had trouble like finding a place for himself. Like the 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 pivot back into Batman following the the renaissance was very strange because you would have thought like yeah he's okay i'm over that now i'm doing oscar nominated movies and stuff like that but he clearly has this like inner drive to to like i don't know conquer some weird part of hollywood he thinks he doesn't have access to okay both of you right now are stepping on a segment that is later in the show (laughs) that's your fault you asked us I'm going to. I asked you to step on the show. Yeah. That, was that a question that came out of my mouth? Give me, give ruin. me, give me a point for him saying the bad thing. Right. Come on. Yeah. Nobody, <laughs> nobody just gets to fucking ask for points. Right. Uh, okay, so we're gonna take a break. We're going to talk a little bit about the way back, but then after that segment, I'm gonna tease two segments into the future. We're gonna talk about Benny Boy and his entire career. There's a host. And I suppose you're wondering why I called you over here. I didn't need to go where a Bible went. Our basketball coach had a heart attack the other night. We need a new coach, Jack. And you know your gifts seem heaven sent. Is the team any good? No. The last time they made the playoffs, back when you were playing. Let's go, line up. You're Marcus, right? That's right. How many threes did Marcus make last year? A percentage of 26. Yeah. Yeah. Want to know why they're leaving you open? It's because they don't think you could hit the ocean from the beach. <laughs> Yo, he just spit backs at your ass, bro. <laughs> I don't know how you house the sin. So how you like coaching so far? Great. Just getting used to the players. What players? Affleck said this movie made him remember what was great about acting. Did it make you guys remember why he's great at acting? Her last name. Like, he's not a good person in this I think his name movie. was Jack Basketball. Jack Baskets. Uh, <laughs> and there's something just like inherently charming about him so when he plays all these dickhead roles you're just like yeah but there's a heart of gold buried in there let's just dig a little to find it and i bet he got fucking one two punch of superman versus batman don justice and justice league uh he's just there was, a, there was more than two punches in that movie <laughs> there's a lot of punches but he's like he's like oh wait 
in this movie, I don't have to growl. I can just stare off and think, and then the music will swell, and people will know what I'm thinking, maybe. like. Was it weird that when he stared off uh, and wanted the music to swell, he would start humming the music <laughs> yeah. that he thought should go there? <laughs> cue, cue. <laughs> uh, Tompkins, do you think of him more as a actor or star? Well, that's. I think that's that's going back to what I, I was just saying. It's, it seems like he really has trouble finding his place along that that spectrum. I think he can sort of do both, but he's not a daywalker. You know, he hasn't <laughs> conquered both realms. Uh, and and I also had because he has certain roles where he's acting by not caring whatsoever. He doesn't want to be there. He has certain roles where he's doing like a cool, understated thing. And I think this was leaning a lot more towards the second. But there were moments where I was like, is this working because of the stuff around it? Like, what is he bringing to the table? Because he does have a lot of scenes where it's like, they could have easily just turned the camera on him while he was like <laughs> spaced out. <laughs> but I, I think I think those are important. The The... the the amount of silence that's in this movie, like there's definitely bombastic, overdramatic parts, but him in the shower and just watching how he sighs his body a little or like sneers at somebody and tries to hide the sneer, like, yeah. And some of his flares up at his sister were fucking magical and some were dumb as hell. But did you feel when, when he flared up at the sister, did, did you feel, um, FYC? Like, did you feel for your consideration or did you feel like you were watching a performance, you know, which is something that. Uh, whether you love him or hate him, like he's not that great of a like lose himself in the character kind right. of guy. I think he's more of a star than an actor because I'm never forgetting that we're watching Fleck. But right. he's a version of him here. But th- there's times when he tells Michaela Watkins which room in the house, which of your 20 bedrooms, like it does feel like Jack <laughs> is putting on a performance for his family. Like he's like, if I'm angry at them, they don't get close. They don't know how wounded and drunk I am. Yeah. Uh, but the FYC and not in a derogatory way, when he hugs her son at the end of the movie and they lock eyes, it was so dusty and it did not seem like he was like biting his inner cheek to make like act well. Like they both were like in this, like pretending his son was really dead while he was hugging her son and it fucking sucked how good it was. Yeah. I think when he comes in, he comes in late to Thanksgiving dinner mm-hmm. and it's uh, his mom, his sister, his brother-in-law, and then their two kids. Um, and that, that's everything. That's, that's all that he is, which is uh, like this big goofy guy who is called like, Uncle Fart Poop. <laughs> Uncle Fart Poop. And he's like, what? How dare you? And then, you know, he's big and bombastic and fun to be around. But um, then he sits down and, like, his sister just wants to go at him. Just, like, wants to claw him to death. And he just sort of ignores it and is, yeah, understated the entire time when it's not dealing with kids. Mm-hmm. It's, it's when, I think, when he get, has to get, like, angry, it leans into, like, okay, buddy, we get it. You're playing angry right now. Even in this movie. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you guys think that understated is the best tool in his tool belt? I think that's the best tool in most actors' tool belts because most, like, I think legitimate rage is hard to really sell and everybody acts too big. Pretend like you're not in the fucking theater and most of us are an inch away from you because the camera is. Be a little understated. That's the way to go. Don't Jared Leto ever. Also, well, yeah, first of all, never Jared Leto. But second of all, when you saw this in theaters, this was supposed to be a 4D experience (laughs) where, like, when he hits that beer off the counter, everybody gets sprayed with beer in the audience. And And I think that we just throw basketballs at us. (laughs) Basketball, basketball. (laughs) 
And I think we missed a lot having to watch this at home. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I had my girlfriend kind of simulate a lot of that stuff for me. (laughs) Did she know or is that just her normal thing? She's a drunk baller. She knows now. Yeah. Let me ask you guys this. If you're if all you know is like the actor in the movie, right? Movie A is a Ben Affleck movie. That's all you know. Movie B is some other actor. How often are you going to pick the Ben Affleck movie? Very. Most, like, most of the time, yeah, I would put him, and it's one of those things where until you think about it, like, how much of his career I've been tapped into and how much I fucking love this guy. When I was watching this, I was like, I'm just glad to watch him again. And, like, this quiet little movie that we should get more of, and he's, it's just, I, I fucking fall in love with him every time. He's just this big, gruff, kind of, sh- like, five o'clock shadow, like, construction dude dude, but still isn't a di- total dick. Yeah. Total dick, yeah. To, yeah, to me, I'm not even sure if it's, it's if it's necessarily understated or if he's just so eminently comfortable on camera. Mm-hmm. He just looks like he belongs there, and something just about that is fun to watch. It's, yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. like seeing him on talk shows and stuff. Like you can feel that, and he's basically being the same person. You yes, know? it's it's definitely like it, Will Smith has it, Michael Sarah has it, and all very different personalities. Brad, but like, Brad Pitt. They're, 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 I don't. I mean. They're all a variation of who they actually are. Mm. Uh, the difference, I think, Brad Pitt seems more awkward than real life Michael Sarah in real life. Like, I well, think Michael Sarah is more of a comfortable human being than Pitt. Okay, so is this performance more effective, or is it like officially effective? Because Ben Affleck has this range. It may not be. It may be a little limited, right? He's not Daniel Day Lewis. And so he had to pick this movie that is about this guy who can't get his life right and is an alcoholic <laughs> and has an alcoholic family. Like, is that where he should go from now on? Did that did that make him better? Yeah, I think it's about matching the project to the to the actor when you're this kind of actor. But like him and Gone Girl was the last time I remembered how fucking good he is because it's so charming and so dangerous. That's what because I was I was like I don't know if he could be Batman, and then I saw Gone Girl. I was like, oh fuck, he can be Batman. This guy is dangerous, and so it's how much danger does he decide to dial up for a role? Because he's a big hulking dude that you kind of forget he is until he stands in two inches away from somebody. You're like, you are looming, and you're going to crush their throat. Yeah, I think the I, it would have been way more interesting if we had somebody who like wasn't trying to make yet another DC movie when he was Batman and we did that danger thing you know i think i think gone girl holds the way back from being ben affleck's best performance mm-hmm. i really think that gone girl is just him in all these crazy awesome and terrible ways like i've heard stories about how gone girl did the thing that uh kubrick did with eyes wide shut when he cast tom cruise it was almost like ironic like mm-hmm. i'm making fun of you by casting you in this, in this role <laughs> And that's sort of what Fincher did uh, with Affleck is I'm going to get you to, like, confront who you are as a person (laughs) without even fucking telling you at any point. Such a weird intervention. (laughs) And I think it's because he's so good at, like, dabbling with being a total Mm shitbag but having us still root for him anyway, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he he is at his best when – I mean, mean, a huge part of the enjoyment of watching this movie is that you have this, like – very thin separation between film and reality because like the one thing I knew going into it is that, you know, he was like going through rehab during the production process and there was all that drama going on. But yeah, I I think he's definitely at his best when there is something in the movie that signifies like, this is also the next step in just like the adventures of Ben Affleck. Yeah. (laughs) For for some reason, like I'm super into that. You know, like, (laughs) 
we, it's sort of like there's a, a BACU where all of these <laughs> movies are sort of connected and we get like chapters in them. Yeah. A, 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 a scene that I think sells it is uh, I think drunk, very few people can act drunk well. When he is making out the rando in the truck. And yeah. she's like, you should watch the road. He's like, nah. I was like, I believe right now that you either <laughs> currently are drunk or definitely the kind of guy who's done this before. Like, that whole uh, sequence and then walking to the wrong house is all fucking yeah. real. And I've been, I've been taught that, like, uh, walking into the wrong house while drunk will just give you, like, a new anecdote to share online. <laughs> it's probably more often like this. Yeah. The guy comes out and he's like... Uh, you know, pull your pants up. I'm gonna fucking kick the shit out of you. I've called the cops, and then Ben's like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm gonna leave." And he's like, "No, you're not. I'm not. I'm gonna keep you in my house so you can get in as much trouble as possible." That's probably how it works. What a narc. Um, yeah, the the scene we were talking about earlier, the the dinner with his his family, like, kind of blew my mind because he played specifically drunk uncle so incredibly well, and in a way where you can tell. Like for those kids, in like a few years, they're gonna switch from being like Uncle Basketball is so fucking cool and he's always fun and he's always mumbling and stumbling around. Isn't he a great guy to be like? Yeah, what's what's going on there? Unfortunately, when you turn like ten or eleven, you no longer think mumbling and stumbling is that cool. Uh, but as someone who had a bunch of drunk uncles and as someone who is currently a drunk uncle um you really see it when after the thanksgiving dinner when he's telling that kid the story you know and the kid's into it but sort of like flinching from uh what's got to be horrendous breath and he doesn't do like an outward that's so drunk impression you know the words are a little slurred you know the words are a little weird and that's what it is because you don't get that shit face at thanksgiving you get that level of shit face at Thanksgiving, the one that he's doing there. And especially, like, they, they build the character so early on because he gets up, we meet him, he gets off work, and then he cracks a beer, pours in a coffee cup. Uh, he doesn't want to be shit faced. He wants to be always just a little fun and numb. Yeah. Right. Don't we until, all? Until he gets to the bar at the end. Oh, and that's, yeah. that's something that we're going to talk about later is uh, <laughs> how many, like, shades of alcohol or drunk alcoholics have. Yeah. Yeah. But before yeah. we do that. Let's get, let's talk more about somehow Ben Affleck. (laughs) Gentlemen, it's time for one of my favorite things. It's a career retrospective. We're going to go through all of the eras of Ben. Um, I just want you guys to let me know where you were at that time with him. I do not care like what job you had or who your girlfriend was. I'm talking about your relationship specifically with Ben. Okay. The first one that Mike alluded to earlier is we're going to call Ben Athole. <laughs> and that he started his career with school ties, where he was like, I'm a college football player, and I don't like Jewish people, and I want Jewish people off my team. Dazed and Confused, a movie called Glory Days, which was sort of like a, you know, like a hangout movie like American Pie, but he was just taller than all the friends and tried to beat them up. And then Mallrats, where he was just this rich, hefty prick who like went after our leads could you guys see in this era that this was gonna be your guy yeah there was yeah so at this point i was a green grocer dating lorraine and <laughs> but it was I, lorraine this, really this guy made my life a living hell in real life <laughs> at this time but there's something so charming about him that you're like i want to watch him be mean and i want to watch him get his comeuppance at a certain point because in all those movies he did like he was only villainous 
Yeah, he he has that like rare quality of like a bully where when they bully you, you're still kind of like thankful that they're just talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, hey, thanks, man. It's the opposite of uh, what's his name from Karate Kid. You know, like that guy. Yeah. You just fucking hated Billy Zopka. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's because he's blonde. Fucking <laughs> yeah, blonde that, people, that, guys. That does a Get lot. the fuck out of here. Um, I've never met a blonde person. No, none of them will talk to me, and that's sort of why I hate them. But. Uh, yeah, you were sort of rooting for Ben Affleck. You wanted to watch more of him on screen, even though he was a bully. The next era, that was 92 to 95. We're going to go to 97. We're going to call this Ben Aft to the Races. And that's Chasing Amy and Goodwill Hunting. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a crazy year because he's, like, he's the wonderkin. He is now like performing well and also writing well. Won an Oscar for it. I so so this is based on hearing something a long time ago. So whoever's listening, do your homework, check up on this. I I believe the story on the Goodwill Hunting Oscar is that the original script was like a spy thriller. It was about someone who learns that he's really good at math, and then the government starts chasing him. Yeah, and someone else came in and was like, "Let's cut." that last half and focus on the and so i don't know how much credit is due to him and how much credit is due to like whoever script doctored it i think it was harvey weinstein if that let's give let's give affleck the credit (laughs) imagine getting that note as a screenwriter let's cut the last half yeah that's that's hard well it it was just it was basically like the they made an entire movie out of the stupid, like, inciting incident that he came up with for the spy thriller he wanted to make. Yeah, but, like, now when we watch the movie, we see that, like, they thought that... Because I think Matt, Ben... That's Matt Damon? Mm. Uh, I just call him Matt. Matt, Ben, and Casey um, were all living together. And they basically said, hey, the three of us are super funny. People need to like see us on camera doing all this dialogue which i think is insane as the three of us sit here recording our <laughs> conversation but but in this era i do think he like he obviously wanted to fight against the the hole and holden and chicky or whatever the fuck his name is in goodwill hunting uh uh-huh. both chucky. like it's a real name it's chucky enough, uh are there's a humanity in them that he had never had before and that's when he was like oh what if i stop trying to act like i look and act who, like I am. And that was a huge pivot. But yeah, then, I'm not saying they're wrong that people wa- didn't want to watch them hang out. Like, they were right. Most people are wrong. Most <laughs> people don't want to watch you hang out. But they were right about it. But then I, I think another thing that's happening, way more so in Chasing Amy than Goodwill Hunting, but another thing that is at least starting to happen in this era is I think at a certain point he got it into his head that he was good on camera but didn't know how to act. And he's gone through a few spurts of like, okay, now I'm acting. And we'll just fuck up an entire movie. (laughs) 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 All right, so then let's get to the next era. This is 98 to 2002. And Tompkins, what you're talking about here is (laughs) a lot of this. Um, Please remember when I go through this that this is four years. Okay, this is... So, 97, he is a, like, I don't know. People respect him as an actor-ish, and he wins an Oscar for writing. So, Ben Affleck, it's time for him to flex. This is his four years. 
Phantoms, Armageddon, Shakespeare in Love, Forces of Nature, Dogma, Boiler Room, Ranger Games, Bounce, Pearl Harbor, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, Changing Lanes, and then caps it off with the sum of all fears. He's gonna be he's gonna replace Harrison Ford as Jack Ryan, and that movie made like thirty million dollars in theaters. Whew. That's how my boy spent four years. <laughs> he was the bomb in Phantoms, yo. <laughs> he was, Mike. This is. <laughs> This is what happens when you get really famous and have a bad agent, I think. Is that they're like, we have to capitalize. We're going to put you in everything. Everything. Yeah, and there's no... Or con- no agent. I would not be surprised if he had no agent. Yeah. <laughs> Too much agency? Yeah, and he thought contracts were just mandatory. Like, if somebody sends you a script, you're like, oh, shit, I, I guess I have it. to fucking do it. <laughs> Don't look at it. Don't look at it. Nope, what, I'm what's in the cream of the crap there? What's the best of those? Um... From him, like as a movie, or from him, I think that he's okay in Shakespeare in Love, and I actually still sort of like that movie. Uh, <laughs> I think so embarrassed to say. I think he's great in Armageddon, but I can't. I can't remember if I think he's great or if his commentary is great. Oh, yeah, his commentary yeah. is amazing. He's, I mean, he's. This is a little bit of a logic stretch. Let's face it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shit like that the entire time. He's sitting there watching Armageddon, and it's hard now to go back and watch because now we know he was shit-faced the entire time he was recording commentary. But, uh, yeah, like, he would he, – he said, uh, hey, Michael, to the director, Michael Bay, he was like, does this make sense? And Michael Bay said, shut, shut, shut the fuck up. And he, that's just what he would get all of the time. I liked when he was making the animal crackers go on her body. He was drunk for that, too. That was an yeah. ad <laughs> No, Mike, some sober person is going to walk animal crackers across a body. Yeah, he made her boobies be hills. <laughs> boobies be hills. Boobies be hills. I'll say it. I, I also like Changing Lane. You guys seen that movie with Samuel L. Jackson? Yeah, that's the one where it's like it starts off as like a fender bender, but then they just like want to fuck each other's lives up. Yeah, and yeah. Then it, yeah just ruin, they ruin each other's lives. The weird one here, too, in the middle of this is Boiler Room. Mm-hmm. Where he takes Alec Baldwin's Glengarry Glen Ross spot, and he gets to deliver the speech. At some point, somebody was like, "Get me Affleck. This has <laughs> got to be Affleck in this scene." And that's that's a weird point to be in the career, right? Yeah. It feels too early, and that he's Jordan Belfort, right? That he's the Wolf of Wall Street for that one scene. So he's playing like he's Glengarry Glen Ross as Leo. He's doing a lot. Didn't even know it. Yeah, and so I mean, prescient of him to be doing. <laughs> Leo is Jordan Belfort since such an early. <laughs> that connection makes sense. Like he was, it was supposed to be Alec Baldwin as the leading man, and then Affleck, and then Leo. And there was sort of it, it just didn't work out right, like it was supposed to, you know. Yeah, I think another thing that's going on during this area is that he's sort of pigeonholed and still an unknown quality. After all of that, that that was pretty career damaging. That little era, <laughs> and so. What he, I guess, decided to do, I'm not going to say it was a career move, but here's what happened. We move into the era, 2003 2000 to 2006, which is Benefer Affleck. And this was a time where he was more known as a celebrity. Like, he was closer to a Kardashian than he was an actor. Uh, here's what we get in this era, guys. Daredevil. Yes. Gigli. <laughs> Paycheck. Jersey Girl. Surviving Christmas. And then we finish it up with Hollywoodland. Who the fuck is Surviving Christmas? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, we've all been love drunk before. We've all made decisions poorly because of who we're with. Uh, yeah, I, I, 
this this was also like at the height of the like hyper manufactured i get not to say that the entire relationship was a lie or whatever, but this is the period where if you were a celebrity and you dated another celebrity, you were immediately surrounded by 30 publicists who were like, how can we get you both on TV? How can we get you into... I gotta say, though, like, although I don't think he was manufacturing tabloid pictures and, like, uh, photographers to be places, he didn't fight it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he seemed to, like... Sort of love being in that spotlight at that time. Yeah. Look, if you're dating J Lo, you sort of love being in that spotlight at all times. Well, I I used to work in a place that like at first I liked working there, and then they had like free soda, and as I as I kept working there, my job more and more became guy who eats free food and drinks free soda. <laughs> And I think that was just what was going on with him here. He was like, he wasn't so much into the acting, but they were just shoving soda down his throat. Yeah, and I mean, life is easier when you don't have to do all that acting bullshit. But you can just sit on a boat with J Lo yeah. and like just get as much exposure. Yeah, life is you know? pretty easy then. Yeah. Was he like? Was he got? Was he in your guys's brain at this point? Like, did you stop caring about him? Were you, like, rooting for him still? No, I think it was eye-rolling. And, like, I didn't see most of those movies uh, at all. It was just like, no. It, I was probably, like, I don't know if I ever, like, dogged on him the way I would have other people in that era. But I was just like, mm, I'm going to step away from this. This is when I was just starting to come into my own as a movie watcher. I'm a little younger than the other guys here. Uh, so this was essentially my first... I see you leaning into the microphone, Mike. <laughs> uh, like an old man. <laughs> <laughs> so this was my first introduction to him. So it took me a long time to come around. Um, and then I wound up having to like kind of go back and rediscover the stuff before this that was like, oh, that's kind of how he got there in the first place, blah, blah, blah. But I, I, it took me a lot longer to get like locked into Ben Affleck as an actor because. But yeah, if this is your first era, you're like, who get, why would he yeah. give a shit? Like, this is stupid. Yeah. Why? What's he doing here? It's that last movie of the era, Hollywood Land, that I think does a lot of changing. Um, I think that he started to like wise up, get more serious about like the roles that he took, um, which should have happened years before this. But and I think he sort of liked being in an okay movie, you know. Like there was, I think, Oscar buzz around his supporting performance, and that leads us to our, I think our next era, which is Ben Affluential, and that's 2010 to 2014, where we get The Town, Argo, To the Wonder, and Gone Girl. So two movies he directed, and two pretty good movies. Then he was in a Terrence Malick movie, and then he was in a David Fincher movie that we have sort of, like, called his best performance. This was, like, now he's back, yeah. baby. Like, this is it. Yeah. True renaissance. <laughs> yeah. And, like, it makes sense. He's a young dude. Like, it's easy. Like, everyone's like, him and Matt were so young. And you know that, but, like, going back, he's still pretty young. I was shocked when I looked up how young he was right now. I was like, pushing 60, right? No. He's in his 40s? Uh that's way older than Tompkins. <laughs> that is, I mean, for sure. Tompkins is about to hit his J-Lo shitty movie phase of whatever that is for oh, his no. Uh, <laughs> but it's, and it makes sense that at this point, what he's, let's put him at early 30s, mid 30s. He's like, oh, fuck. I'm going to take this shit seriously and learned a lot. 
and learned to work with the right people and had enough of a voice to direct his own shit. I, I think you see a compressed version of what happened with Ben Affleck's career in, uh, say, like a basketball player, where you play for like four or five years, and then, you know, like we're talking about, you kind of get to a point where it's like your day job, and you stop practicing as much, you stop caring as much, and then you just suck ass for an entire season, and all anyone wants to talk about is how you forgot to play basketball. And so then you're like, oh, I have to, like, fucking care about basketball. <laughs> I kind of like... Can you imagine what a nightmare would be to, like, start a basketball game and then forget to play basketball? <laughs> People I did would be so angry at you. <laughs> but, unfortunately, what happens in this situation, and this is the second time we've been in this one where he's up, he then <laughs> just gets fucking stupid, guys. He just gets stupid. After this, we have... Ben after Fleck, which is after the uh, affluential period. This is 2016 to 2019. I'm not going to include the way back, but in those three years, we have Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. Hollywood says, bro, here's Oscars. We think you're a legit director. Like, we're back in. We think you're awesome. What are you going to do? Oh, Batman with Zack Snyder. For sure, that's what I'm going to (laughs) do. Then he makes The Accountant (laughs) with one Gavin O'Connor, which is a movie that I've never seen, but I have heard the craziest motherfucking shit about. Have you guys seen this movie? I have not. I didn't even realize that was Kevin O'Connor until you said it just now. A lot of people think that like it was the goal of the movie to see how bad they could make it. <laughs> <laughs> and, then he had, and then he's in Justice League, and then he's in Triple Frontier. And then that's a straight-to-Netflix action movie. And then he bows out of the DCEU. He says, you know what? This isn't great. <laughs> that's how he spent all of his chips. From the town Argo to the Wonder and Gone Girl. But that makes sense at that era. Like, superhero movies are huge. They're the next, everybody's doing them. Robert Downey's doing them. I think if you're, the way I assume Fleck is, you don't really get the difference between Marvel and DC. You're not that tapped in. So you're like, yeah, man, Batman. I'll fucking be Batman. Keaton. And You'd Bale, think he'd learn fucking shit. something from being in 50 different Kevin Smith movies. <laughs> uh, don't make movies with your long-coated friends. <laughs> being on Kevin Smith movie is hearing about every superhero that exists and then also not knowing that you were actually in a movie. Like, what? I thought you were just hanging out. You filmed that shit. Uh, And then also being Daredevil. Like, he didn't have the best, you know, dabbling with Marvel. I mean, it's the... Like, these these are very human mistakes to make. I, I have done good and then been really shitty and then gotten good again and then be like this time i can do the shitty thing good (laughs) did you name each of those eras no i'm i'm hoping i'm hoping on the big podcast about me that they'll (laughs) okay just do me a favor remake the way back shot for shot in your apartment (laughs) and we will definitely watch it and review it oh my god No, no we will absolutely not i take that challenge i hope the way back is you know the title's apropos i think i hope this starts a thing where like he gets passionate again i think yeah i think tompkins you're right here you go uh where we're watching all of his personal struggles on the imdb page you know like when he's happy when he's in a relationship when he's drinking we can sort of see it like his selections and that's he truly just like wanders onto a set bringing whatever energy And it, it either fits or it doesn't. <laughs> so you guys see how I relate to him? Right? <laughs> why he is my favorite. 
That's sort of my thing that he's doing. <laughs> All right. Um, I love him. I don't know if he's ready for the Pop Filter Hall of Fame yet, but uh, I love him. I'm rooting for him. Um, that's going to be Ben. When we come back, we're going to talk more about Ben. It's going to be the entire show. Oh, shit. You know what, Mike? What? When we come back, uh, we're losing all the Patreon people. No. All the non-Patreon people. No. This is, they can't listen to this one. <laughs> this is just yeah, all the, the freebies. No- <laughs> all the non-Patreon people are going to, because you can't afford $5 a month, you are going to miss conversations about how the movie handles faith, which is worth $5 alone right there. And then also, motherfucking trivia. You guys all done? See you on the other side. We are back, and this is a very special Patreon question for you guys about the movie The Way Back. This is going to be less about Ben Affleck and mostly just about. (laughs) Yeah, later. Mostly about that time where that basketball got drunk. (laughs) What is the role of faith in this movie? Do we think that we're dealing with something specifically Catholic or just faith in general? And is that even a thing, just general faith? What do you guys think? I was clutching my pearls for the first half of it, worried that it would turn out to be like a, yeah, through God, all things are possible uh, kind of ending. <laughs> um, well, what if that would be like, that movie is, those movies are still released, but we just never go to them. You know, yeah, like they, yeah, they advertise in churches. Yeah. <laughs> Wearing a Ben Affleck Halloween mask. They're all like GoFundMe movies now. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought they handled it very well. Like that, there was the obviously because it's a, a Catholic school, but the the chat the basketball chaplain when uh, Ben Affleck's like, "Sorry, I'm fucking cussing." They don't really give a shit, and he's just like, "Well, we're Christians, so we need a greater faith into our daily lives." So I do think God gives a shit how you talk to these young <laughs> men. Like it was very like. But he wasn't, like, a cool priest who's doing a kickflip. Like, he was just, like, a real dude. And so I think it was showing, like... He did a few kickflips. Yeah, I mean, a a normal amount. Not (laughs) an extreme amount. He's not Uh, showing off or anything. Yeah, it just is needed. And, like, I think in in the character of Angela, Fleck's wife, she had a little more faith. Like, in the universe, even though they both lost their son than him, like, he gave up on basically everything. And she didn't until she reveals she did because she looks around at the kid's birthday party and was like, I just wish it was any one of them who was dead. Like, <laughs> which was... Uh, yeah. And I, I what, guess I was thinking... One of the great as, Jesus quotes. <laughs> I was thinking of it as grief, but I do think it's faith. Is like, what what do you have to hold on to, whether it's God or not? What do you have to hold on to that keeps you going in something? Yeah, that's what what I came around to and is that the, the, the idea of this, like, Catholic school or whatever is being used to show that, like, it is important to have faith, but what you put your faith in can vary dramatically. But there needs to be some sort of, yeah, just base level hope. And, and that's what's great about so many sports movies, even ones that don't deal with faith, is that you're putting your faith in the game. Like, the minute he stops drinking, they win a game. Like, that's when they start winning. And so now his faith is in basketball, not booze. Uh, Marcus, who was the big showboat who got kicked off the team, he realized he didn't need the attention. He needs basketball. Like, so it's what do you throw your your life and faith into something that will help you be a better person? And Ben Affleck talked about how uh, he was raised, I don't know, some religion, um, some, like, Catholic or Catholic light religion. Um, and it didn't, it didn't like click, like he's not a religious person, but in order to go through the 12 steps, which he has at least once, maybe more than that, 
um, you do like faith is like an integral part of that. Like you have to have faith of some sort. And so, yeah, I think that despite the fact that it takes place in a Catholic school, which does have to be reckoned with, like this is not based on a true story. Mm-hmm. The screenwriter, the, everyone decided we're going to make this in a Catholic school, um, that the movie is just, it's, it leans closer to have faith in something, please. Right. That would be cool. I, I think it's also using the Catholic school to get at this idea uh, that's circling around faith and, and, and all this, but it's, it's this idea of like sort of a deteriorated institution, which it uses a basketball team, a Catholic school, and a marriage. Um, Walk into a bar. To, to get at all of the <laughs> uh, to get at all of those but it's it's not just this idea of like oh you need to have faith it's how do you how do you have faith when everything around you seems to be already evacuated of it because a big part of like uh, uh, the in the middle of this movie I, I like got sucked into thinking like this is the story of Ben Affleck learning not to cuss. That became like a weirdly <laughs> big part of the plot. It was like I would be rooting for him not to swear at the <laughs> basketball games. Um, but like the first thing he sees when he goes to practice is that all of the kids are cussing and swearing and talking about like finger bang girls and like all of this stuff. And then you're stepping in that as this like replacement coach, and they're like, "Oh, mind your language, you know, we're trying to raise young 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 boys and to be warriors." of god or like whatever and you're like clearly they're not clearly this is not (laughs) but you're still supposed to as the coach be like oh gosh darn it come on ref yeah that chaplain has uh his like uh targets on ben affleck because if if he was running around writing tickets for every curse word in the school like that's a lot of curse words he's going after or tickets he's gonna have to write but i do think it's shit rolls downhill good shit and bad shit it's you fix the adult and the kids who look up to that adult will fix a little more like what what i love about the swearing is even when he stopped drinking he didn't stop swearing he was just less likely to punch the ref in the throat like but he still swore like he is who he is popeye and and it's hard too because uh, like we want Ben to like have faith in something. We want him to be passionate about something, and his cursing is proof of that. Mm-hmm. Like if he wasn't cursing and so angry, then we know that he wouldn't care. And then like that means that he's still just as bad, and the stakes are lowered. Yeah, it's it's cursing as like proof of passion. Um, and and for as much as this takes place inside a Catholic school, there's only one moment where they pray. It's right after the coach gets kicked off the team and they're about to play the the game and they're all playing with the pastor. And right after the prayer, one of the kids says like, let's win this fucking game for coach. And so it's like this idea of like, you know, like you're, you're directly contrasting those two things. And then it cuts to the, uh, the once uh, like assistant coach who is now the coach and the chaplain and they look at each other like oh son of a bitch and I thought I thought they were looking at each other like oh I can't I can't believe they still believe in Ben Affleck but no they looked at each other because he cursed again god damn it he <laughs> cursed again why won't they stop cursing <laughs> these children won't stop cursing that's what they were told the movie's about is two great guys stop kids from cursing they were freaking out that it wasn't working it's like a footloose kind of <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other thing that we have to tackle uh, aside from faith is race. Um, this movie like doesn't mention it at all. Like, does it handle it in any way, and or is its lack of handling it something that like we have to talk about right now? Yeah, my my, my feeling is it's okay for it to sidestep the issue because you're trying to make 
some other point and you know it's going to come up because it's basketball and high school and all of this other stuff. Um, I think I think it is allowable to try and say we're going to somehow either briefly acknowledge this and move past it as quickly as possible or whatever just to get you to the idea of like we understand that stuff is going on but our main concern in this movie is this thing. But I wasn't sure... I, I wasn't sure in this movie how well it did that. I, I think by not dealing, like, it takes place in Long Beach, represent, uh, <laughs> which is a very, like, integrated city. Uh, and the basketball team show that there there's white kids, black kids, Hispanic kids, like, they're mixed. If, if he replaced the captain with a white kid, then we have to fucking talk about how this movie deals with race poorly. Uh, and yeah. but I do think he it's not white savior. I think they dodged that a lot because he was a piece of shit to Marcus. If he was right. white savior, he would be saving all the kids of color. Uh, yeah. And he's he's not like he he bonds with Brandon, but he treats all the other kids the same, which are in his fucking way because they're not as good at basketball. Well, uh, and uh, like he's a piece of shit to Marcus. Maybe Marcus is the guy who can't stop cursing and can't stop playing basketball in the worst way a guy <laughs> like Marcus could. Um, and then he cuts him from the team. And then Marcus is the guy who comes back and says, Coach, I need to be back on the team. And I, I mean, I don't know how purposeful it was for the character, but he's not a piece of shit to Marcus. He did what he needed to do as a teacher to Marcus, you know? But I, I, that was not his intent. He was I, not taking into account that this kid is 15. Like, he was a little shady to Marcus. And he slammed the door in Marcus's face when Marcus first shows up. And then that, Marcus doesn't leave, and he's like, oh... I yeah. guess I have to be a role model. Like dealing with kids, especially high school kids, is hard because they cuss like adults, but they're fucking babies. They're soft little babies on the inside, and you have to treat them like that. I um, I mean, I, I I'm at a disadvantage in here. Ryan and I are white. Mike's Italian, so we kind of have to defer to him on this. But I, I, I when it when it came to because there is a lot of of stuff that sort of at least made the background part of my mind take take pause for a moment because you do have uh, a, a, a a white coach whipping a team into shape sort of and the one who the the student whipping. Who, uh, oh yeah uh, uh, okay uh, now I'm not okay with it you have uh, that was uh, you have a white coach disciplining a team and the disciplining I like this game of don't let Tompkins finish his sentence. He's doing... A, Boom, he's, he's doing stuff to the team, and one of the ones that he's doing it to is black, and he's doing the most of the stuff to that black kid. And he's in, he's like, there's... Uh, uh, the star point guard's dad never comes to his game, and the white coach goes to the black dad. There's stuff like that that at least some part of my mind was kind of... Um, puzzling over and so i don't think that it's necessarily problematic but i think if the movie could have found a way to uh assuage that that part of your mind a little bit more neatly it would have been for the best i think what they're doing i think mm -hmm. like i like i think what they're doing is they're saying we're gonna deal with class right so uh all poor people regardless of color are they basically feel the same and, uh, I mean, some of these kids are poor, poor, yeah. like super poor. And then also we have a lot of commentary from Ben Affleck about the, uh, the dude that his sister married, you know? So like Ben Affleck is sort of like, make sure that everyone knows he's closer to the students on the poverty line than he is, uh, any other adult in the movie. Um, 
but with that, and like that's all good stuff. Like uh, you know, class warfare is interesting, but class warfare does not uh, erase race warfare. Right. Like that, <laughs> it, it, when when everybody uh, like when a bunch of races make the same amount of money, they're not like, oh, okay, cool, so we're all equal. You know, mm-hmm. there's still a lot of shit going on there too. Yeah, the movie ignores intersectionality for sure. And another yeah. race or uh, class thing right. is we don't meet the wife's new boyfriend, but Fleck definitely points out how rich that guy is mm-hmm. uh, in in his tirade. I, I think it's the movie is just race neutral. It just doesn't care. It doesn't think about it. To, to the movie, it, it is the story about this drunk dude getting over his dead son or dealing with his dead son, and it just cast the way the city is cast. And maybe it should have done a little more. Yeah, there. I mean, you, you can. One could make the argument that to be race neutral is to be racist. That's the thing is that like is is race neutral okay? And even if it's not, would you prefer a movie who tries to tackle it but is completely incapable? And then we have to sit through that. Yeah, right. it's not just incapable. Like it truly like if I, and I, I do not have the answer to this. If there are numerous races in a movie does the movie have to then set aside time to deal with that yeah. instead of the story it's telling especially in a movie that like is purposely like very obviously um i don't know concerned with time and like motors through the story as fast as it can like it's a very economic yeah. movie. yeah these kids are not characters these kids are fucking obstacles for him so at, at, at the fancy school for poets that I go to, um, one of the things that a professor here says when we're workshopping poems is this made me ask boring questions. Um, and if you change these lines, eliminate this, that gets the boring questions out of the way, and then I can for- focus on the interesting question. And I think that, especially for a movie that's trying to be economical, that's a little bit of what's going on here, is you have things that feel racially tense so prevalent and it doesn't obviously signal to you in a way that it's acknowledging that but that won't be the main focus or whatever and so you have to kind of ask those boring questions of like oh is this trying to deal with this will it deal with it later what will go on um so i I do think that holds it up at least a little bit just for that reason I would say that one of the ways around it is to make your movie take place in 1984. You know, like, then, like, not only, like, you have to spend a lot more money on, like, different cars and shirts and stuff, but <laughs> it's almost like, oh, I feel like this is a movie that came out in 84, and those movies didn't address this shit. So it's totally yeah. fine. But if it's going to come out in 2020 and take place in 2020, you have to deal with this stuff. You well, know? so here's a question. Like, should a Invisible Man have dealt with race? Should a Joker Why? have dealt with race? Should and Little Women have dealt with race? Like... All those there were multiple are sh- races in those movies, though. So isn't that worse? Like, <laughs> that it's all fucking white movie? Like, <laughs> I think the lesson that we're learning is just have white people in your movies. And you deal with this shit. I, I, I saw an interesting thing that, that I, I saw um, a, a thing where, where people are sort of coming after Scorsese for a lack of diversity in, this, in his movies. And this person I follow on Twitter, uh, Dahlia St. Knives, who's like um, a... a a queer trans poet of color um, who I, I, I hope I'm getting their identifier right um, was, was saying like, I don't want Scorsese, like Scorsese has like done a lot to get other uh, like black voices, voices of color into the movie industry and to promote them. I don't want him to make movies about black people because he's a fucking white guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I would, I want, I would like for him to have like more women and black people and I don't know Latino people and uh, queer people if they all still talked exactly like all of his characters. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. So. But. I think that's the other is is, is it's just so it, it doesn't come up in in Little Woman yet because of the, the the circumstances of the movie and every movie can't be everything you're you're right but I again it's just the fact that it's if nothing else that it's basketball immediately makes it feel like this has got to be a thing right it's going to talk about this. Um, so it's just a hard sell. Like, I mean, I, I think honestly, another solution that could have easily worked is make it a, a different sport. I don't know what, you know, like maybe it's yeah, my I mean, lack of connection to basketball. I don't, I didn't see it. That I way. mean, like basketball, when I think of basketball, I think of like Allen Iverson. I think of like LeBron James. I think it's, it's, it's the sport where the athletes have the most control. And because of that, like so much more, of like the discussion on race is filtered through basketball specifically than it is a lot of other sports. I mean, Allen Iverson is a very crazy example because like the way that he acted and looked made them change the rules. Yeah. They like, you can't dress like you want to anymore because Allen Iverson made white audiences scared of these like urban thugs that were going to take over the game. Yeah. Like they literally had to change the rules in order to keep white audiences. But uh, I guess Mike, you don't know a lot about basketball, but uh, there is a, there's a big connection between basketball and um, black people, I would say. <laughs> if, you, if you did not know that. I did not. <laughs> Boom shakalaka! All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, trivia. Trivia. Gentlemen, you know the rules. Wait, do you? I do. Yes, don't tell them. Let's go. No, okay. I'm here all the time. I know the rules. Come on. It's me. What are the rules, Tom? Again? <laughs> what are the rules? Uh, you ask a question, and we have to answer it. Okay. You have to wait until the question is totally asked. Okay. Do not interrupt me. And then also, you ring in by saying your name. Now, we are, um, because of the quarantine, we're all on the internet. So instead of like going by who I think I heard first... Just gonna go by who I like more. All right, uh, this is for points, gentlemen. And at least is... I like that you say what Greg does. <laughs> I, in a show that has trivia, trivia is basically who wins. Here we go. Number one, Ben Affleck has won two Oscars. Oh, and this is not the way back trivia. This is Ben Affleck trivia because who gives a shit about <laughs> drunk basketballs? Uh, number one, Ben Affleck has won two Oscars, each shared with a different member of Ocean's Eleven. Name them. Mike. Yes. Matt Damon. George Clooney. <sighs> Mike. That is correct. George Clooney produced Argo. Number two, what city was Ben Affleck born in, which probably had a hand in him being this type of asshole? Tompkins. Boston? Incorrect. (laughs) Mike? Mike, confidently, Boston. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that was the problem is that (laughs) Tompkins said his name weird. Now, guys, there's another city where assholes come from. He was born in Berkeley. Number three, Ben's first acting gig was in a commercial for which fast food restaurant? Tom, Mike. Tompkins. Mike? Jack of the Box? Incorrect. Tompkins? I was going to say, uh, well, I'm saying Tom <laughs> Jr. <laughs> Incorrect. <laughs> the answer is Burger King. Mm. Number four, is Burger King good? Mike? Yes. No. Incorrect. Tompkins? Mike. Yeah. I should have remembered who the host was. <laughs> A trash person who eats trash food. Burger King is delicious. 
Number five, which 80s sports movie did Matt and Ben appear as extras? Oh, Tompkins, Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams <laughs> is correct. <laughs> is Field of Dreams overrated? <laughs> Mike. Tompkins. Yes. No. Mike, sorry. No. That isn't correct. Tompkins. Damn it. I- yes. What? Uh, my answer is yes. That is incorrect. It is perfectly exactly <laughs> rated. Number seven, which TV superstar rose to fame after writing and starring in a play called Matt and Ben? Mike. Mike. Mindy Kaling. That is correct. Who was the actor that drove Ben Affleck to rehab? Tompkins. Mike. Tompkins. Mindy Kaling. Robert Robert Downey Jr. It was not Robert Downey Jr., (laughs) but I'm going to come back to you after uh, Mike goes because you are on the right track, my friend. Mike, Mindy Kaling. That is incorrect. Tompkins? I thought it would be a full circle thing. Uh, Jeremy Renner? Incorrect. <laughs> Mike. Okay, don't think MCU. Mike. Uh, Mike. Jack Sparrow. What's his name? Uh, Johnny Depp. Incorrect. Uh, it's not Johnny Depp. It was Jack Sparrow. Full costume. <laughs> Savvy? Incorrect. Tompkins, one more guess. Mel Gibson? Incorrect. Mike, one more guess. Drunky McDrunkster. It was Charlie Sheen. (laughs) What is the name of the movie-making contest Matt and Ben created? Mike. Yes. Mike. Project Greenlight? That is correct. (laughs) Fuck yeah. (laughs) Name someone you know who entered that contest. Tompkins. Yes, Tompkins. Ryan Haley? That's correct. (laughs) What is the name of the script that he entered? Mike. Yes, Mike. Tales from the Cops? Incorrect. Tompkins. Yes. To kill the kill the Mary McCheese. <laughs> Caitlin. Correct. <laughs> He's just proud you knew it. It was called Band Heart about a marching band who uh, goes on a field and kills a bunch of people. Number twelve. Ben Affleck is the only actor to achieve what DC Comics movie related feat? Mike. Yes, Mike. He broke his back. DC Comics loves that shit. Incorrect. <laughs> Tompkins, you got a guess? Uh, Star is two separate DC character. Which ones? Daredevil and the Batman. Ooh. Mike. <gasps> Thank you. Mike. What? Ah! Daredevil's Marvel. Ah! Daredevil's it's Marvel. So Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yes, Jesus Christ. No. He started start as Batman and Superman God. in the movie Hollywoodland. Number 13, oh, yeah, what? George Reeves. Uh, George Reeves' Honda Superstore so is what he did. deeply embarrassed. <laughs> what interesting information did Ben find out about his family on a PBS show called Finding Your Roots? Mike. Tompkins. Mike. Tompkins. They Tompkins. owned slaves. Tompkins. <laughs> they owned Mike. slaves. Out of you two, who was more likely to come from a family that owned slaves? T- Mike. Uh, Tompkins. Tompkins. Mike, Tompkins. Mike, you're up. <laughs> well, only one of us is from Fredericksburg, Virginia, so I'm going to say <laughs> Tompkins. Uh, that is correct. There's, there's no way that Mike's family at any point could afford to own slaves. No, we were closer to being them. <laughs> Ew. Uh, which Legends of Tomorrow actor was the officiant for his wedding to Jennifer Garner? Tompkins. Tompkins? Um, George Clooney? Incorrect. Uh, Mike? Mike. Would Legends of Tomorrow be different if George Clooney... <laughs> I would love that. Uh, Mike, I guess Brandon Ralph? Uh, I was thinking incorrect. of... What is it? Fucking Tomorrowland or whatever? Yeah. Tomorrow, Legends of Tomorrowland. <laughs> Mike, uh, 
I'll give you a hint. It was a very important wedding day. Oh. Mike. Yes. Victor Garber. Is that his name? Victor Garber (laughs) is correct. (laughs) Ben Affleck has been reportedly hooking up with Anna de Armas. Where does Ben keep Anna de Armas? Oh, uh, Tompkins. Yes, Tompkins. And his Anna de Sleevemus. (laughs) Caitlin. Caitlin. I love that. That's a five pointer. (laughs) Caitlin. Caitlin. To. To understand who your host is so well, yeah. Anna de Armas had a star turn in last year's Knives Out. Ben Affleck was not in that movie. Mike. Yes, Mike? True. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that was the question. Neither did I, buddy. <laughs> Name a different movie that Ben Affleck was not in. Tompkins. Uh, Tompkins. Uh, Space Odyssey. Oh, time's up. Time's up. You not do it. Mike, do you have an answer? <laughs> yes. Uh, Joker. <laughs> Joker is correct. That's what I have written down. If Ben Affleck was in it, would it have been better? Tompkins, Mike. Tompkins. Yes. Absolutely. (laughs) And finally, guys, ring in, please, with your name. Describe me and Ben Affleck hanging out. Tompkins. Mike, go ahead. You guys are just like, yeah, bro, we like the same stuff. It's okay to include me in Project Greenlight. I wasn't ready yet, but now I am. Let's make a movie together. Tompkins. 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 Okay, so you're going to word for word transpose me and you hanging out. <laughs> and me and ben Affleck hanging out. I'm the Tompkins, ben what do you got? You guys play a basketball ball and you're drunk. Caitlin. That is absolutely correct. <laughs> Wait, so you're that the is what the car relapses, says. you sick fuck? <laughs> I do what I do, baby. That is trivia. When we come back, we're going to let the non-Patreon people in and talk more about The Way Back. Gentlemen, we are back. Let's welcome in our non-Patreon people. Do you guys have anything to say to them? What's up, groundlings? Yeah, why don't you... Yeah. Pay me... Pay us money. I love it. I live for this. One thing I, I do want to is is it is optional. You can either give five bucks a month to the Patreon. You can also Venmo me, Venmo me five bucks, and I will make sure that that makes its way to the right people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like a fucking drunk uncle <laughs> would say. Do you guys, do you have hopes? Uh, are you guys drunk uncles yet? I am. I almost, you are, right? My first nephew, I almost dropped as a baby because I was drunk. So, yeah, I'm full <laughs> You're steeped in the... You passed the initiation. Yeah, I'm a, uh, I'm a full-on full on drunk uncle. Yeah. Drunk uncle? Yeah. It's the best. Does. Can I ask a question about the movie real quick? No. Mm, let's eh. Ask about our nephew's boy. Yeah. Does hitting the right notes we're familiar with give the movie a pass to breeze over a lot of character interactions, or does it feel like a rushed story? I mean, it, it is a rushed story, so it does feel like one, but it feels like a rushed story in a very good way. And yeah, I guess, like, insultingly, egregiously rushed. No. Not to me. I, I also, like, the... I'm trying not to make sure I step on a later segment. Yeah, it... it I mean, the entire movie is a cliche that's playing with itself. And and Ew. the one... <laughs> At a Catholic school. I, come on now. Um, that does remind me, there is a scene where the... Right. the <laughs> there is a scene where the priest is like, we can't have you around to the children anymore. And I thought Ben Affleck was like, the priest I, is telling me this. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to scream at him about that. Um, but it... it 
I mean, this whole thing, like, there's literally another, and probably several other movies that are like, basketball coach gets sober by, like, connecting with the youth. And so you walk into this kind especially if you don't know Gavin O'Connor, feeling like, yeah, this is going to be another, you know, stupid basketball coach down on his luck movie. And it dives so relentlessly into that territory and continuously, like, manages to find a way to, like, flip it on its head. But would you say that it's meta? Would you say that, like, it is? No. Like, sort of doing that with its glitches? It's 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 not I don't know if it's meta but like I think when people say postmodern they they think Tarantino like you have to be constantly commenting and this is just like I know the clichés I will use them when I have to but I'm also going to write really good characters and hire really good actors and just tell a good story. Yeah. I don't care that you know the end of the story. I'm going to do it really well. Right, which is like and there's so many movies that are bad examples of this because they're lazy. Mm-hmm. And this movie isn't doing anything new, but uh it's it feels more like comfort food. Mm-hmm. then um, I don't know how to write a script, right. so I'm going to hit these beats. Purposefully, and purpose, I think, matters. If this was accidental comfort food, that kind of sucks. But they went either way. They, Mighty Ducks is about Emilio Estevez truly getting changed by these specific kids. Uh, this is not, because I talked about Mighty Ducks. I've never seen the Mighty Ducks, and I do not want to talk about it. <laughs> You're disgusting. Uh, this movie, the kids happen to be there, but it's caring about anything. It's why we don't really spend that much time with the kids. And so I think it can burn through those parts because it's like I don't care about the Smash Brothers of this team. Like we can move on. It's right. It's specifically about caring about yourself, right. which I thought mm-hmm. was like super fascinating. Is, is it sets it up like, oh, he's gonna whip these kids into shit. He's uh, got. He's gonna be nice to these kids, and that is how he will find his redemption. Um, and. There's that scene in a game later on where it, it sort of it sets it up in a scene previously, but he tells the star point guard to take the shot himself. Mm-hmm. And normally, like in every fucking sports movie, that's the you know that it's it's the complete opposite of that. The star has to learn to be selfless. The selfless player has to learn to be the star. All of that. And he's saying like, no, you're the best t- player. Embrace it. Fucking go for it. You should take that shot. And it totally works out. It doesn't fail. And and so there is this sense of like it's not narcissism to care about yourself. It's not like and if you are going to help someone else, it has to start with you loving yourself. And it manages to do that through like fucking basketball games, which is cool too because we're watching like Ben Affleck isn't has, he hasn't been a coach for like a hundred years like Gene Hackman always is in his fucking movie. Get that guy out of here. Um, but. Uh, and like so he's not going through the motions he is and i'm sorry for saying this but like he is learning as he's teaching and they're learning with him you know and that's what keeps it like fresh and interesting yeah yeah like him being bad at it for a while he's like well i know what to tell them but he doesn't know how to tell them and that that is a a pretty under the radar part of the movie that that worked really well and i do think brandon starts out really shy he knows the game but he doesn't tell anything anybody so there is that selfless to it's not selfish journey but it's just like self-care is not narcissism and that's very important sorry mike i just i made all these drops and i gotta use them (laughs) Um, I also like that's to me a, a really interesting thing about this this movie is that to me the 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 ending wasn't super predictable. I could have. I mean, this is a little bit of a logic stretch. <laughs> oh no! I mean, I lose points. <laughs> um, I I kind of thought it would end up 
you know, and I've seen ending like this, like 50-50 comes to mind, where it's using some sort of sport analogy as the the thing, and then you kind of realize, even though he failed in one endeavor, he gained some kind of essential wisdom from it. Um, was the sport cancer? Yeah. What was the sport cancer? Wait, what am I th- Not 50-50. Uh, win-win. <laughs> The sport of watching one of your friends die, which I hope to play. Someday. I'm a pro. Uh, That's it, Skippy. Pack your shit. <laughs> God damn it. The uh, I would say my favorite meta moment is uh, Ben Affleck's nephew just sits down and says, "Like, well, you know, if they lose this game, it's going to be really hard to make the playoffs. Like, because then they have to go up against this other school that's very good. Uh, they're they're right here in the standings right now, and if." <laughs> If they don't win, then they, like then they're not going to be able to beat and go to the playoffs. Also, I've noticed that uh, uh, the lead character looks a lot like Ben Affleck, who is going through his own uh, <laughs> drinking problems real quick. By the way, uh, that kid, that moment was crazy and amazing. Yeah. I've never seen something in a sports movie this like serious and not like satirical. I guess. Yeah, that was just straight up like, yeah, we're gonna do this. Fuck it. Gavin O'Connor is was like he reads the local news every morning. Gavin O'Connor is <laughs> bullshit. so good about that. Like in in Warrior, some of the best scenes are when they're in the tournament Caitlin. and um, all the high school students and the other like high school faculty are watching and are like cheering him on and stuff like that. He finds these ways to get like commentary in that builds enthusiasm for it, or it's it's. It's informing people who don't know anything out of the sport, but it's buried under something else that makes it exciting. And then definitely the whole Friday Night Lights thing yeah. that the show taught us of, like, sports in the background, please. Yes. Like, just, we, we need to focus on the characters of the moment. Well, that, that's why I was saying in the beginning that I love sports movies, even though I loathe that sports exist, <laughs> is... It, it gives conflicts that even dummies like me the understand. Very there's, a cl- there's a clear arc, like because of how a season works. But more than anything, it's I don't have I don't want to have to watch people write characters talk about their feelings because it's always bad. But they get to talk about the sport now. They get to talk about the competition. Yeah. And there's always a metaphor. And this one just happens to use those metaphors well. You know my come on, let's go, Schlep Rock. My football died when I was very young. And I've been alone ever since. <laughs> exactly. It's a metaphor. Uh, can I, sh- I just want to shout out super quickly one. It's, it's sort of tangentially related to this. It's, it's not really a meta thing, but it's, it's clearly Gavin. This, to me, did not feel like a meta movie. It just felt like a movie that's aware of the tropes and is making sure to keep them fresh. And one thing that I did that I thought was like a very subtle genius move is that after you get a few, because you keep thinking like, okay, they're going to start playing basketball and it keeps holding that off and off. And there's a point where someone casually mentions that they're one and nine on the season. And so it just skipped over the game that they won. It was like a fluke or insignificant or whatever, but that weirdly made when they start winning, it made that go over better because it's not like right. oh we haven't won a single game all season and now all of a sudden we're in. it's like no they did win one it's not the first one right yeah i think that if you're a sports movie like this yeah that you have to sort of like adjust your miracles and you have like there has to be some miraculous stuff in order to make it interesting but it can't just be like uh one of the kids on the basketball team prayed to god and now angels <laughs> like, help all the basketballs get in the hoop no, the kid from Archie is starting <laughs> that movie in the next back year. Court. Um, another thing, like that, this movie does remarkably. That's that's not specifically meta, but that's an amazing way to play within the tropes of a sports movie. Is that when you finally fucking watch them play basketball, you're like 
standing up screaming in joy at the screen because someone like set a screen really well and then someone like caught an inbound pass and it's like it 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 inverts it to where it's like all of the tiny you know it's it's very in line with like the philosophy of the movie or whatever but like the things you're rooting for is someone like takes a charge someone makes their foul threat like it's crazy how it has you rooting for what is normally the absolute most boring part of the sport it's so weird too because like uh, I Ben Affleck and his ex-wife could have had a hundred kids and they all died of cancer and I watched each one die and I would not have cried but one motherfucking bench player throws a good uh, string and I'm like oh my god guys well, it is, and it's because it, it, it happened this is so naturalistic because Fleck keeps saying as the coach the small things matter pay attention to the small things and then it's that's what the games are showing is the small moments showing it's not like his, his coaching philosophy gets. Shown but not showboated there. Yeah, if there is any meta, it's that. It's that it's very clearly saying basketball itself is an excuse. This is not a basketball movie. This is about something else. It is being processed through basketball. And I think they're doing that when they go to – when Ben Affleck goes to um, the dad's work of, like, his new uh, captain of the team. um, And the dad's like, fuck basketball. It ruined my life. Like, it's a bunch of bullshit. Um, what they're saying without saying it is that, like, no, like, you don't understand how many other things you get from doing this kind of thing besides becoming LeBron James. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. there's a ton of things that the, any sport can offer. Yeah, and it, that it showed that with that conversation and with Marcus coming back, when he was like, "It's not." He's like, "I need. It's not the attention. I need this. I love the game so much that it. I realized that this turns me into the thing." Real quick, because we're almost out of time, and by that I mean way out of time. Um. We talked about a lot of the sports cliches, but there's also a lot of drama cliches and alcoholic movie cliches. What about dropping at the halfway point? Oh, he had a son and he died. It bothered <laughs> the exact me. Exact same sigh. <laughs> <laughs> it, it bothered me at first, right? Because I was like, oh, really? Like, he can't just be a drunk. He has to have a reason. But then what I liked about it is this is how you get to know real people, right? They're fucked up. And then you hate them, and eventually, like I'm the asshole for hating them now. This is why I don't like Ryan. Like that's hey. good. That's good life <laughs> advice. Anytime I think somebody at, like my other job doesn't like me, I'm just going to be like halfway through our relationship. My son died. <laughs> I yeah. I, I, my boom shakalaka. My my problem with the the drop halfway through is that some of what we're talking about about the the way the movie does or doesn't deal with race is is that. It does imply that it's saying, like, oh, this is why he's an alcoholic. And I always prefer a movie in which someone has a vice or a flaw, and it doesn't feel like it needs to provide you something. Like, people sometimes are alcoholics because it's a chemical genetic thing that doesn't have to be because of some deep, dark secret past. I will say, though, that, yeah, as as initially... I, I, I it's crazy too because I was pretty off put by that scene when it first dropped, but you see what they do with it later, and it totally brought me back around because the main point of it I think is that it's basically saying like basketball is not life. Life is so much bigger than basketball, and basketball is the only thing that matters. Caitlin, yeah. <laughs> Did you guys? Were you guys hoping uh, throughout the entire movie, like we've talked about before, they kept showing these uh, like on-screen graphics of the basketball scores? 
When we find, when they were at the gravesite, did you expect an on-screen graphic to say like "Alive Kids <laughs> Cult Zero, Dead Kids One"? Yes, and that's why I hated. This I movie thought it would skip it, and you'd just get <laughs> like. A- that's it, Skippy. Pack your shit. <laughs> oh my God, guys! It is the speed round. Here we go. You do not have to ring in with this. Just answer. Mike. Yes, Mike. Good. I love it. Let's keep going. <laughs> Is it possible to use the way back as a way to start to categorize or put overarching thoughts on Gavin O'Connor's career? No. <laughs> because this is my first Gavin O'Connor, so Gavin yes. O'Connor's career is Miracle Warrior, this and other stuff no one cares about, and even those movies really not that many people care about. So I think it needs a little bit more time. It's getting there, but there needs to be a little extra meat on the bone. What about, I mean, like, I think that he's at his best when he puts sports in their place, which is, like, important, but not very. Yeah. And then also, sort of, does he do this thing where, like, it's hard to be a dude, and dudes are awful, I'm not going to say that, like, obviously they're terrible, but also, it is, like, society is not built for them to, like, go through things. Is that what we're watching in at least Warrior and The Way Back, and a little bit Miracle? Yeah, I, I think it, I can for this movie, and I haven't seen Miracle in thirty fucking years. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely think that there's a reason and shows up and everything. It's to show here's how uh, she's allowed to grieve openly. He feels like he's not that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I think that's um, what is important to him. Right for agreeing with me. <laughs> uh, couldn't we all use just a little bit more Al Magical in our lives? Yes. Oh my God. Oh, As I mean. He he has a lot of um, interstitial moments that he turns into more than that. His character has to do a lot of the, like, oh, by the way, here's just a little backstory, or here's, like, the thing you need to know going into this or whatever. And he turns that shit into acting. Mm-hmm. And and when you when you cast a comedian, it's like, oh, no, they're going to Pete Holmes this and just make everything a fucking farce. Yeah. Or you t- find out they're a really good actor and Madrigal is a really good actor. Yeah. Yeah, I think you guys both I nailed do it. Think- like, I, I think that he's funny. I think he's a funny guy, but the fact that he just said, oh, this is underwritten. Yeah. So I'm going to see if I could do more with this is not something I expected from him. I do think it could have used Pete Holmes because he does mention in the movie that they're really bad at crashing the boards. Also, uh, <laughs> Pete Holmes and Ben Affleck are my acknowledge Acknowledge that I did yes. make a joke. <laughs> does the there movie cross go. does the movie cross a line with Affleck going past using life experiences and then almost becoming exploitative? Yeah, I didn't like that he was on a boat with J Lo in the beginning of the movie. I thought that was exploitative. <laughs> I mean That's why he sucks at basketball. You're on a boat, bro. Like, what are you going to do? How are you going to play basketball there? A, a movie I weirdly found myself comparing this to is Honey Boy, because Honey Boy is a very similar, you know, as you watch it, you're aware of the story behind it. The the One of the main creative forces behind it was, was going through rehab, and it's sort of a commentary on themselves. But then there's this extra layer of this isn't, you know, Ben Affleck directing Ben Affleck. There's also Gavin O'Connor's part. Um, if I hadn't read the story, uh, that Gavin O'Connor was basically begged not to can the project and that they kind of worked it into Ben Affleck's like rehabilitation program, I would feel a lot weirder about it, but you do get the same, there's this like 
really intense catharsis in both movies that comes from seeing someone play a trunk on screen as they like try to reconcile with that. I mean, like, I don't know if this is good movie criticism, but it, it, it keeps it inherently like compelling the entire time. Yeah. You know, like knowing, I, I think that we're supposed to forget about real life when we watch this shit, but it's impossible in this movie. And I think it makes it better. I also, I've, I've been listening to a lot of, you must remember this lately. And I, so I will occasionally go back and listen to old, like golden age Hollywood movies based on that. And I will say it's always been a thing. Like, Mm-hmm. Yeah. actors and celebrities or whatever like whenever you're in a movie you're playing against your sort of public persona or or whatever you're either playing for or against type and part of the reason that some older movies sort of lose their mystique and their value is that you don't know that that actor like their husband had just died in a crazy car wreck and that they were uh, addicted to pills and now they're playing an addict and and all that stuff in order to win the oscar joaquin phoenix had to fight batman for years (laughs) (laughs) shower beer your thoughts i miss them do you really? Come I, I, I on, went, dude. I went through a period of doing that a lot, and I missed yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> For my vulnerability. I think, uh, you like, can't do shower vodka tonic. It doesn't work the same way. <laughs> uh, I think it's a little try hard. Like, at least in our lives, um, you're trying to like make sure this day is full of party by starting <laughs> off with a beer where no one can see you. Um, and then I, I think it's a good like shortcut in a movie. Like, yes. Look how drunk this guy is. He needs one in the shower. I was shower. way more impressed by the the scene where he grabs a beer from the cooler in the back of his car and pours it into mm-hmm. a cup because that is just like, oh, that is functioning alcoholic. This dude has his routine all planned out. He knows yeah. exactly what he do, needs to do each day to like maintain that steady buzz. He only fucks up when something like happens that forces him out of that but otherwise he just like he goes to work he puts the gin in the flask or in the the coffee mug he drives home he drinks his beer he has it like i i but like, like that work in a call center then <laughs> like yeah he gets construction work is the worst like i imagine him high up dangling his feet while eating lunch no like, character like, in a gavin again. o'connor movie will ever work in a call center <laughs> oh i can't wait to see call center too <laughs> Early on, the camera lingers on Jack's collection of soap slivers in the shower to show how lost he is. What other little signs offended you by making you realize you're a piece of shit? <laughs> well, I mean, shower beer could definitely shower, be one of I was going to say, shower beer is a good one. That, that defined most of my early to mid-20s. Is there a, uh, I, didn't, I didn't realize we were monsters for having soap slivers. Is there a, a scene where um, Ben Affleck kind of rudely reminds his his girlfriend that she should do the dishes and she has to tell him that actually she's the only one who does the dishes (laughs) (laughs) it was it was implied (laughs) oh man that's not in tomkin's version of the way back that's not the that's not the drunk part that's the basketball (laughs) the sports part of the movie is about doing dishes uh guys practicing a phone call a hundred times while getting shit face good idea or bad idea Bad idea, because inevitably you're hungover and just agree to the thing you didn't want to do. You want to talk about economical? I love the fact that he never makes the call, and then it just cuts to... I'm coaching the team now. Like that was it. Oh my! The, and it's the funny. way this movie like uses ellipsis is, is ellipses is so fucking good. I also will say like I think it's a good idea. I think he just went. 
he he kind of like wrote past his ending on that. Like he he got to a point where he was like perfectly drunk and had the perfect answer. And if he could have stuck with that, he would have. I don't fucking, fucking care about yeah. you. Is it that one? <laughs> and also, I love you. Why don't you love me? <laughs> Where's my son now, God? <laughs> That's that should be every phone call. And finally, tag yourself with the characters on the basketball team. Oh, I'm the one who has all of these sex with those. Kenny? Yeah. Your piece of shit, Kenny? Uh, who's the, the doofy kid who uh, gets told to go harder so he instantly elbows somebody in the, the chest? The free safety, that's, yeah. That's me, me not quite understanding what ramp it up a little means. With the, ofi- with the official uniform of Mike, headband. <laughs> and I would say that I'm Marcus, right? Yeah, oh, of course. Too showboaty, but then you learn to be humble. Yeah. Can I- that is the speed round, guys. There's one more opportunity to get points, and that's coming up soon. We are going to hand out some awards when we come back. Oh, yeah. Gentlemen, let's start off in a show about Ben Affleck, in a, a podcast that is mostly dedicated to Ben Affleck. We're going to first hand out the award for pound-for-pound pound performance of the film. Who did the best? Tompkins, I'm going to start with you. Who do you give the best acting award to? I had Al Madrigal. We already talked about it. Um, as a backup, I had Jeremy Radlin. He plays the, um, the team pastor. Um, mm. He really only has one acting moment, and it's where he has to talk with uh, Ben Basketball about his swearing on the court and he just eats that scene alive. <laughs> All right. So, but Al Madrigal is what we're going yeah. with. Mike, who do you got? I think uh, Angela is great, uh, but I think it's hard. It's hard to. This is Flex show, and I'm fine with giving it to him. That is obviously the correct answer. It's Ben Affleck. Cringiest moment. Tompkins, what do you got? Uh, cringiest moment for me was when he first meets the basketball team, and it is just, it's its the one time where the movie fully employs a sports movie trope without doing anything to fuck with it at all, where it's just like, we've got a fat kid who's supposed to be skinny, we've got a short guy who's supposed to be tall, this one can't keep his mouth shut, this one doesn't talk at all. <laughs> and it all rhymed like yeah. that? That's amazing. <laughs> Magical's magical right? It was Mike, what? it was like half a step away from like and our kicker doesn't have any feet. <laughs> <laughs> that would be crazy though. I mean come on. Like that Mike, who do you got? Oh no, I I'm not done. I'm not done. <laughs> the replacements with Keanu Reeves, where it's like the sumo wrestler is the lineman and the thief is a, a wide receiver because he runs fast. He puts glue and, on his like hands. all all of that weird sort of um borderline phrenology connection between like physiology and personality <laughs> stuff is just like really front and center in that scene. Now Mike, you can go. Uh when <laughs> he and Angela, I think it's post the birthday party and he drops her off and he starts saying, and you're fucking this rich guy while we're still married. Just <laughs> it made my skin crawl. Yeah. Are there moments where you can almost see Angela be like, I don't we could get back together and then Affleck swings in like he does yeah. and rushes everything. <laughs> Caitlin. All right, guys. And then we have director. And Mike, you think this is your first Gavin O'Connor? I think I saw Miracle in 98 whenever it came out. Like, ice? Hockey? Yes. Ice, yes. Ice plus hockey. <laughs> Miracle was the Kurt tagline. Kurt Russell? A guy who looks like Kurt Russell? 
Uh, Mike, what is your director's signature moment, do you think? Uh, yeah, I don't know. So I guess the score montage, like where it's just like, let's do this real quick to burn through stuff we don't care about. We got to show time is passing. I don't know. I don't know O'Connor enough, but that that stood out. All right, Tompkins, for I, an easy victory. Here we go. I already said mine. It's when he says, let's see what we're made of, and it smash cuts to the score being 31 and, and 67. <laughs> Hell yeah. Next aboard is most sports cliche movie moment. Tompkins, what do you got? Um, my, my, my most sports cliche moment is, is when Marcus begs to be back on the team. It's very like, oh, he, he's, he's learned his lesson. He's good now. I, it, I, 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 I guess I'm arguing against myself. I thought that he was going to come back in a critical moment and it's to be like, see, we needed him. And that doesn't happen. But the whole, like, I've learned my lesson. I'm humble now. You are such a good coach. That is. Yeah, he, he's back on the team. And then. That we never away. hear from him. <laughs> yeah, he's just there. Mike, what do you got? Uh, it's that Brandon, the quiet kid, is the best of the game and has a dad who doesn't want him to play. Yeah. That yeah, felt like right. season three Friday Night Lights for yeah. sure. That's Yeah, that's got to be it. And then, Mike, I'll, uh, I'll start with you on this one. Uh, the award is called Wettest Shot. I know what this means sports-wise and cinematically. Uh, when Flex shows up hungover slash still drunk, he is so sweaty and gross <laughs> and drunk at this practice. There's something so wet about it. Oh, this is such a fucking slam dunk for me. Give me the point. The wettest shot is Ben Affleck in the fucking shower. Yeah. Because he's wet all he's over drinking, and he's, he's putting wet. more water and sight so on the him. nose. <laughs> no, but like, uh, Mike, you know how to own a host. Uh, it's me and Affleck who hold the, uh, the title for uh, smelliest sweat where you can smell exactly <laughs> what I drank the night before. Uh, like you can smell when I like the next morning. You can smell like oh three four locos. I, I see. Gonna, that is that is a testament to the fact that Ben Affleck is acting his ass off in this movie in a way that is subtly hard. Is the scene where he shows up drunk, drunk to practice right after the night where he stumbles into his house? I thought like oh they can smell him. Yeah, for he's sure. acting yeah. smelly. I could smell him. <laughs> In the 4D version that you're supposed to see in theaters, they had a bunch of drunk people run around and just slip and slide all over you. Guys, that's it. That's, you cannot get points anymore. When we come back, it's the, uh, the, the scores. We're going to give the results. Who is Greg's best friend? And then also, let's talk about the Wayback's um, chances in the 2020 season. Gentlemen, the draw pad has tabulated the scores. And now I have to give them to you. Do you? Mikey, buddy, (laughs) you you had a really good score, thirty seven points. That's not bad. Is a shit ton of points. That's a fuck ton of points. Uh, Makes me think that I gave too many points out. Should I should I I, I should have given (laughs) less points out? You were liberal with points at times. Okay, (laughs) thirty seven points. I did get five in a chunk at one point. Unfortunately, Tompkins, you scored 36. One less point oh, Mike. God. Mike wins the game. Switch. Fuck I was off. certain I lost. Oh, the oh. drama of it all. Hold on. Freeze frame. Graphic. Mike, 37. Tompkins, 36. We, you don't even have to listen to the show. Just cut to the graphic, and then you get the entire story. Mike, what do you want to say, one, to your new best friend Greg, and two, to Tompkins, this shit-sucking loser over here? Uh, what I've... 
learned from watching the winners, it's never be gracious. Fuck you. It was always going to be me. How could you even dare to bring your stench into this rink? Of course I was going to win. I'm sorry. I'm just quoting Ryan. You were. You, it was a fun to talk about movies with you. Uh, Greg, I'll have your eggs benedict bright and ready. Hot bright and, and ready? For you. Uh, it's hot and ready? It sucks so bad because, like, every little win Mike gets is obviously, like, so needed. But then... <laughs> His ability to handle it is, <laughs> <laughs> is it superb. It's something. Guys, how do we think this is going to do in the 2020 season? Great. In, in any other year, it would be my dark horse that I root for and secretly think is the best, uh, which Warrior was the year that that came out. I hope I can find, I know we have like two minutes left, like 10 other opportunities to squeeze a mention of warrior in there. Yeah. Um, Hold on a sec. Uh, We only dabbled in the conversation, Um, but Mike, like I I would say that like, this is the thing that me and Tompkins first bonded over is how fucking spectacular the movie warrior is. (laughs) It's so, 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 so good. But at least, like, I, you've brought it up like a normal person, Ryan, through the years, and, and Tompkins brings it up like a coke addict who hasn't had coke in years. Brings up, <laughs> like, it really, and what, this is Tom Hardy and Jake Gyllenhaal? Who is this? Uh, Nick Nolte is the dad. The Southpaw? It's, it's Tom Hardy and Tom Hardy? Logan he Mortimer? Tom Hardy's? <laughs> is, it, is it Tom Hardy's little No, it's, oh, oh, it's, um, uh, what's the guy, the asshole from Great Gatsby? Yeah. The guy who directed oh. The Gift? That guy who shows up. That guy. But yeah, Warrior's amazing. This is not as good. This is not a uh, underrated classic like Warrior is. But I think that if it was directed by somebody other than the director of fucking Warrior, it, it would have been way, way worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I watch I, fucking Warrior. Okay. I think it has a chance to beat Trolls to World Tour. <laughs> a chance. It's a dark horse candidate. <laughs> All right, guys, before we leave, congratulations, Mike. That was uh, Thank you. not uh, less of a stunning victory and more of a stunning delivery of the news. I would say that I fucking trust <laughs> Ryan. I am the Gavin O'Connor of revealing the end of a uh, podcast. Mike, can you tell us about a website or two that we should go to? I would love to. If you enjoyed this, you should go to over to yourpopfilter.com. Everything we do lives there. While you're there, throw on a slash Amazon. Hopefully the strike is over by the time you hear this so you're not a fucking scab. Uh, order your groceries. You need it, and it helps us out. Another website is patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. There's no scabs at all. It just helps us out. Pick a tier. Get uh, some extra content. To be clear, you want the strike to be over because they crushed it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not team Bezos. They have their, their, they their have hourly their wage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mike, I'm so sorry. Real quick, what is the name on the back of your Amazon jersey that you're wearing right now? Bezos. It says Bezos. <laughs> yeah. Who else? Name, who, what else? Who else would it say? No, I would say it's the number one selling Amazon jersey. <laughs> Tompkins Pop Filter uh, produces three podcasts. You're on one of them right now called Movie of the Year. Can you name the other two? Is it for points? Sure. <laughs> the OCD. Yes. What is that? Uh, it's where you talk about the OC. And you're recapping it. You do fun, fun stuff on the episodes of the show. Consummate salesman. I hear you. Okay. I see your hand hovering over the points button. Yeah, sorry. Hold on. I uh, hold on. <laughs> Ramp it up. You're doing so good. And then while I, well, <laughs> uh, and you also have a fun little show called the Superhero Show Show. 
That is correct. Nice. What do we do on that show? You talk about the movie based on a comic book. Talk about the movie based on a comic book as long as the movie's a TV show. Mike, yeah. what do you do with those <laughs> podcasts? I would love if you guys would all subscribe to them, rate them, review them. Only good. Or one star. Yeah. Really dig in. I want to figure out why you want it to be one star. But no fucking three star bullshit. You keep saying that, and we have one five star review and 250 one star <laughs> reviews. And I'll keep saying it until I'm dead. If you have some advice for us, if you have differing opinions or the same opinions, uh, email us, contact at yourpotfilter.com. You can also hit us on Twitter. We're at yourpotfilter. Hit us on Instagram. We are at yourpotfilter. I don't know how you hit us on Instagram. Send us a picture of your dog. Your balls. Or your balls. Or your dog's balls. That's a DM. Add us to your your balls touching your dog's balls. Add us to your close friends on Instagram. Yeah, I want to see that green circle on your stories, baby. (laughs) Are you guys being creeps right now? I don't know. <laughs> Probably. Thanks, Shady Monk, for your music. Shady Monk, you uh, provided so much for us, and we appreciate it. Guys, I don't know what next week is. This is a one-off crazy it's a show. It's a bonus because everybody's sick and dying. <laughs> I don't know why we made that drop, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to hit that drop again. Uh, what do you guys hope is our next Moody 2020 show? Invisible Man. Invisible Man, sleeping in yeah. your bed. Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters? Is <laughs> that the full title? The hell of a tagline. What the fuck else come out this year? Trolls World Tour. Trolls World, Trolls World Tour. Tour. We rattled them off. What was the other one? There's I think like that's it. God, we've been blasted back to the Stone Age. Four movies per year. We also have Bad Boys 3, colon, Bad Boys 4. Like, <laughs> so we could also, I would love to review that. The that best movie fun. this year is going to be a fucking Hulu original. <laughs> it's shrill. Um, but, like, uh, we did our Ben Affleck show. I, I definitely think we need our Will Smith show. Did you guys see that rapper who had that video where he just referenced Will Smith movies the entire time? No, that's amazing. We could do that. <laughs> we could copy his idea. <laughs> Boy, Tompkins, I'm Mike. For Mike, I'm Tompkins. For Ryan, I'm Daniel. For uh, Haley, I'm Gravano. And remember to please always be keep watching those movies. <laughs> Boom shakalaka! Boom shakalaka!